Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey, y'all. Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. So we start every week with Good Thing. Uh, Craig, what's good this week? Okay. Dave's not allowed to say anything. Uh, because he's gonna make fun of me. But I've decided that my Good Thing is a mobile game I've been playing for the past couple weeks now. I think it's actually for PC as well, but it's made by the same people who do Puzzle Quest. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that game, but it's a RPG mixed with bejeweled match three mechanics. Um, I love Puzzle Quest. Yeah, well, Gems of War is the one that I'm recommending. It's free to play. It's on mobile. It's on PC. I think it's for other systems, maybe. But it's the same idea. It's an RPG mixed with the match three mechanics. You have a, a small team. Uh, that you go into whatever the matches and dungeons or whatever else. Um, but RPG mechanics, you level them up, they get skills, you use the skills when you match certain colors, uh, and collect mana for them, essentially. It's, it's pretty good. And it has no weird stamina system or other thing that, uh, mobile games typically have. You could just seem to play and do whatever you want. Um, there are certain events that I guess have a stamina, but it doesn't seem like a really big deal. Uh, there's a lot of content, and I'm just playing it, and you can play it whenever you want, so it's pretty good. I am so. not adding a channel to the Discord for you guys no, to discuss No, it's alright. I don't have to discuss. If you want to, you can do it in Record Keeper. That's true. <laughs> if if we get Tori to play, and we want to talk about a team, that's where to go. I, I am watching the crazy right now. <laughs> I posted in Record Keeper today. I saw that. <laughs> I didn't because I have the channel game. muted. I have the channel muted as well. I just Man. happened to pop into it, and there was a question from eight months ago that I answered. <laughs> well, okay. Go on. Seven months, ten days. All right. Tori didn't know which one was Purim and which one was Palum. Dave, what's your good thing this week? My good thing this week is. Pearl Jam. You should know who they are. If you don't, look them up. That's all I'm going to say. All right. My good thing this week uh, was a uh, professional wrestling pay-per-view event uh, that I did not pay for because it was broadcast on Twitch. Uh, it was called Triple Mania. I posted about it in our Good Thing channel. And it was fantastic. Uh, I used to watch pro wrestling back in the late 90s. Uh, I watched WCW and WWE and fell off after I graduated high school and have only recently started watching again via via this promotion and Twitch. Uh, it is AAA Lucha Libre Wrestling. Uh, it's a promotion out of, out of Mexico. There is an English restream channel, um, again, on Twitch that like has announcers basically summing up what the storylines are and providing commentary and translations into English. And 
It's a lot of fun. Uh, the title match last night of Triple Mania was Blue Demon Jr. versus Dr. Wagner Jr. Uh, in a hair versus mat, a hair versus mask match. And it was. What, what does that even mean? Uh, one guy's hair, one guy's a mask. Yeah, okay, is that like yeah. shirts versus skins? Except yeah, that's, it's... that's what it sounds like. It was that whoever lost um, would either lose their mask, in the case of Blue Demon Jr., because he has a, a very famous uh, luchador mask that has been oh. passed down in his family. And uh, Dr. Wagner would uh, shave his head if he lost. Okay. And. Uh, so if you're familiar with professional wrestling at all, then you, you probably are aware of the, the concept of, uh, of cutting to basically take a small razor, um, either cut yourself or your opponent, um, right along their hairline to produce just an insane amount of blood without actually like hurting anyone because head wounds bleed like crazy and they both cut very very early in the match and it was everywhere it was fantastic <laughs> it's a great great match uh i have not seen a match that good since uh the rock versus mick foley's i quit match and if you've seen that one that's that's your yardstick for how great this one was uh highly recommended Definitely check it out if you're at all a fan of wrestling, and I'm trying to be again. Oh, that that reminds me of the film made by Max Landis, Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, which is actually really good. It's sort of a synopsis of what wrestling is, and it's about is that Triple the one H. With Jim Carrey. No, but it's really good. It's a really good film. Even if you don't know anything about wrestling, it's actually a yeah. great way. To show you what wrestling is based on the R.E.M. song. Uh, so, Tori, what's your good thing this week? Okay, I have two. The first one is that the summer reading program is over. It's over. Yeah. Wow. No more. Oh, yeah. Combolations, no Elizabeth. Until <laughs> it's over until next summer. I mean, I'm it's so good relieved. for the kids, but it's a lot it's, of work for you. Yes, it's great for the kids, and they were fantastic. They did. They read so many books. I'm so proud of them. We had a special contest at my library where we would give extra prizes if they read a hundred books, and we had more than thirty complete the challenge. So, super proud of uh, the kids books we at my library. But like picture books, these are little kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but now it's over. Yay! That's still something over. like a book. At, well, that's two books a day or something like that. Yeah, just about. Hmm. Uh, so my other thing is um, I have mentioned previously that I've been learning to draw. That That's still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's still continuing apace. But um, that episode so was actually released this week where you started learning to draw. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I think, yes, that was the one. I really like well, the word apace, so ten points for using <laughs> it. Thank you. So I'm I'm still working on that. And um, yesterday when I got to work, there was a package waiting on my desk 
through the departmental mail, one of my friends in another library, uh, Laura, found a book on how to draw dragons. And so there was a little note that said, I saw this in the bookstore and I thought of you and and I had to buy it for you. And so that's that's my good thing is that my friend Laura is awesome and sent me a book on how to draw dragons. Laura, First. I'm going to... I'm going to draw you a dragon. First, draw an S. <laughs> right. Another S. Or snake. More or consummate. dragon. So it's a more no, different v. S. That's a consummate V. <laughs> yeah. More different yep. S. <laughs> genius. <laughs> They're geniuses. Are you um, going to post some of your uh, artwork to the Discord, Tori? Yeah, when I when I get a dragon drawn, I will post it for you guys. Awesome. Would you like your own art channel, or are you cool with just posting on Dave's? I'll just share with Dave. That's, you can do that. Should I then oh, rename wow. the art channel? No, it can be it's Dave's a, art it's channel. It's stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's under stuff. It works. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Although I did put a new t-shirt idea in the art and stuff channel. It's just a t-shirt that says, anything not said on a t-shirt cannot be trusted. Should be a metal t-shirt. Chainmail? Yes. No, then it well, just has mail. to be in like be that, that weird spidery font that's ba- that's basically impossible to read. That's super metal. <laughs> if you <laughs> like can't read it, it can't be changed. Genius. <laughs> All right, Dave. Tell us about some chapters this week. All righty. This week... We read chapters 59 through 63 of Brandon Sanderson's The Hero of Ages, a Mistborn novel, part three of the trilogy. And I'll start with chapter 59 and read some bullet points. Erto Canal's refilled. Tensoon finds Ellen's soldiers at the ministry building. Tensoon doesn't want to make a Kelsier. A talking dog! Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Although I might have the punctuation back. Tensoon talks to Breeze. Breeze wants Tensoon to talk to Seized. Spook barely survived. Seized looks different. Don't you want to talk about religion, Seized? Tensoon thinks humans are weird. I All mean, right, that, so- that part's true. <laughs> so, uh, the beginning of the chapter has Tensoon Puppers reaching Erto and seeing that the canals have been refilled. Uh, I'm a little disappointed by that. I I wanted, I, I think that Ruin could have done very well for himself had he just altered Seized's copper mines in a way that he wouldn't be able to make the mechanism required to refill the canals. A little, little missed opportunity there, Ruin. A little too busy gloating to Vin. Although. Missed opportunity yeah we've never made that joke before although i will say this he did have a reason for wanting to focus on vin's situation which will come up at uh in the last of this week's chapters so there's that okay and Tensoon it's like why are they why are they all in soldiers at a ministry building and then He's just like, you know what? I'm going to talk to these guys because if, if I'm a talking dog, they'll listen to me. And so they take him to Breeze, who's uh, kind of acting as the leader right now since Spook is out of commission. And Breeze initially assumes that this 
he realizes this is a chondra, but he assumes that it's the Orsur chondra. I'm sorry, the Orsur chondra. But uh, Tensoon corrects him. He's like, nope, killed that dude. I'm Tensoon. And Breeze doesn't uh, really want to talk to Tensoon, and Tensoon doesn't really want to talk to Breeze. So he go- <laughs> Tensoon leaves to talk to Seizet. So he explains to Seizet what's going on. We see that Spook is still alive, and Belger is looking after him. And Seizet looks different. Tensoon notes that Seizet is missing something. And maybe it's just his demeanor because of, uh, you know, the faith that he's lost and all of, you know, and not having tin will. But I, I wonder if there's actually some tangible physical difference, like a Seizid missing like an earring or something. I don't know. Or maybe some bracelets that he used to wear all the time. But he's, are you ever going to read cha- the chapters, Craig? What? Is he wearing them? He's not wearing them. <laughs> he wears them in this scene and is specifically noted by Tensoon that he has the copper mines on, yes. I thought he only wore... Never mind. Okay, <laughs> he had to. He had to put them back on to access his engineering knowledge. Right, and so I thought he took them off right afterwards. But in Chapter 59, Tensoon explicitly notes that Seizid has his copper Gosh, mines on. Gosh dang it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to your Try question. Try to get by without doing your homework again. Busted. (laughs) And, you know, Tensoon kind of tries to tantalize Seizet a little bit. He's like, well, I got something to tell you about the hidden secret of your people's religion. And Seizet's like, that's nice. And kind of leaves him alone. Uh, But we'll come back to these guys in just a bit. That's the end of chapter 59. Yeah. All right. So it it is weird from... Tensoon's perspective that Seizid, you know, isn't interested in something he was very interested back in the second book. Yeah, and Tensoon hadn't might not even know that Tindwill is dead, so he's uh got that going for him. Yeah, I don't think he was around for that. No, he doesn't even realize that Luthadel had survived the Coloss attack. He returns to Luthadel and he's like Hey, Ellen's flag is flying. They didn't get destroyed after all. Yep. They only got decimated. Destroy it. <laughs> Alright. All right. Let's go Anything on. Anything else on chapter 59? Nope. Alright, let's move on then. Chapter 60. Some haze killers escort Vin to see Yeoman. Vin tries to pretend to try to escape. Yeoman is a non-Mistborn who burns ATM. It's time for Vin's trial. Lord Roller struck down what god now? Yeoman disagrees with Nietzsche. Vin had stabbed Lord <laughs> Ruler through the heart. Ooh. Vin is not Kelsier's heir, but Lord Ruler's. Yeoman will not kill Vin, but she's still in danger. Yeoman had read the plaque. ATM is worthless. Is Ellen really just Hungry Boy? Boy spelled B-O-I, in case you were wondering. All right. So Vin is trying, still trying to kind of escape, but she also knows that Yeoman's expecting her to try to escape, so she's just kind of pretending to try to escape, but she's not good at pretending, so she tries to pretend to try to escape. And she has a little fight with the Haze Killers because Yeoman is sending them because he wants to talk to her. And 
supposedly put her on trial, as he said he would. And I, it's tough, man. I don't, I don't know that Vin should be able to take out the haste killers like she did. Like these are guys that are specifically trained to take down Mistborn, and she doesn't have any medals. Well, so I get that she has combat training from Ham, and maybe she has some kind of extra awareness because of Ruin's influence on her. But I don't know. No, so so hold on. First, they're trained to fight against Mistings. Mistborn are more rare. Not not saying that they are not skilled against fighting Mistborn, but they're typically gonna fight Mistings. They might not have that much experience. But it's, as okay. you said, I remember she would train with Ham, specifically not using her power sometime. But then she um, would just use them anyway and cheat. Well, At least in that one scene. The lemonade. Okay. But but she does have training just in case she doesn't have medals. It's Yeah, I don't know. She's very martially skilled. She is an assassin. It's not like she's just some average average schmo. She's really good at fighting and killing. She's yeah. This is I'm following I'm filing this under the Vin is two OP vault. Nerf Vin. Nerf Vin. You can't I'm nerf very much no in OP, better nerf Aurelia. <laughs> I'm I'm with Dave on this one. Maybe uh, if there was one or like one or two haze killers or like maybe a handful of like normal guards, but I don't know. Um, it doesn't it, matter anyway because she eventually does get to Yeoman, has her shackles off, and tries to fight him, but he is apparently burning ATM and able to protect her attacks and unlike Zane, doesn't dodge into the men die anyway. So real quick, from my chat, Mr. Mophead says, Brandon needs to put out that balance patch ASAP. <laughs> balance patch. He needs to hotfix this. <laughs> For some reason, Vin's attacks are ignoring armor, even if she doesn't build any armor penetration, so... Whatever. Man, who yeah, it's, it's not, like, it's not the biggest problem, because she just ends up getting escorted to Yeoman anyway. So whatever. It's just I don't know. It was and honest, and it wasn't as bad as when she beat Zane. Although there are also reasons why. She, well, we'll get into that in full recap. But all right, let's let's continue. Yeah. So it's time for Vin's trial, and so yeah. They, well, anyway, they have a fight, and Yeoman is apparently burning ATM, and it's time for Vin's trial. So so my thought initially is like, oh, he might have. I mean, he might be burning ATM because he's got, you know, he's got some spike. Ruin maybe got him with a spike, and he has ATM powers now. But uh, yeah, it's a trial time, and <laughs> what? Uh, so yeah, Vin admits to killing Lord Ruler, and there's one thing that I kind of didn't get here. It's on page five sixty one of my chapter, and I had it open, but then I closed it. Uh, what's that? Okay, so Yeoman is saying, why reject the god that they lived with? You know, Lord Ruler, why reject the god that they lived with for so long? The one that they could see and feel in favor of one that died, one that the Lord Ruler himself struck down. So who is this god that they're supposedly worshipping that the Lord Ruler struck down? Kelsier. Is it Elendi? No, No. it's Kelsier, the survivor. Oh, okay. Right, I'm it's an a idiot. full-blown religion. 
All Remember right. Ellen joined the Survivorist last book? It's a it's a full-blown church at this point? Yeah, I understand. I just... For some reason, I had pre-ascension in, the, in my mind. There was some pre-ascension god that he struck down. Even though right before that it says the Survivor of Hathson. How is it that people worship him? Okay. I just kind of stooped on that one. My bad. Sorry, Brandon. All right. Yeoman disagrees with Nietzsche, so he thinks that his god is still alive. And there's just a small detail about Vin recounting the fight that she had with Lord Ruler on the night she killed him, and she stabbed him through the heart. So maybe there's... I can't remember what she stabbed him with. It might have been a spear. I think it was a spear. So there's there's some kind of Lord Ruler-charged hemorrhagic, hemorrhagic spike somewhere, you'd think. I wonder where that's going to turn up. I wonder. Wait, maybe it's maybe it's Ellen's necklace, like his survivor necklace. It's the spear and the cape. What is the thing? The spear and a lantern. What's the symbol of the survivor? The church of. It's just a spear. I thought it was a spear and something else. Oh, his emblem. Okay, his his uh, coat of arms is like a spear and something else, and a scroll. A spear and a scroll. But that's not his necklace. That's his emblem on his flag. Uh, but Ellen's, maybe that, that spear actually became Ellen's neck. Okay. Vin is not Kelsier's heir, but Lord Ruler's. Okay. Yeoman will not kill Vin because, you know, he, he sees the world from the perspective of Lord Ruler is still alive and allowed it allowed Vin to appear to kill him for some reason, and he doesn't want to interfere with his god's plan, so he won't kill Vin, but he can still torture her and stuff. And Yeoman does also admit to having read the plaque, which kind of flies in the face of his theory of Lord Ruler is still alive, because the plaque immediately says, I'm dead. And ATM is worthless, the economy doesn't really revolve around ATM anymore. And so why is Ellen attacking the city? I mean, the plaque isn't useful, uh, although Ellen hasn't seen it yet. And the ATM isn't useful. So is he really just coming to steal the food for the central dominance? What's going on, Ellen? Why are you attacking? Other than the fact that your wife is imprisoned here. So whatever. That's the end of chapter 60. Okay. Seems good. I uh, have a question for Dave. Go on. Why are you shattering today? Uh, I don't think I am, but... You're saying some I... things at normal speed and then other things really super fast. Yeah. Maybe it's to emphasize emotion because I don't have a lot of inflection. Okay, so... what emotion are you emphasizing with the end of chapter 60? I thought he was just doing that the for fin- comedy. The finality of the chapter, what do you want? I'm just confused. I'd like to understand. I thought I was stewarding, but I was shattering. (laughs) (laughs) All right, why don't we move on? Chapter 61. Ellen is back. What did Mist Spirit mean when he pointed to Ellen's vial of metals? Ellen sees Vin is still in control of some Colossus. Ellen plans to strike Fadric City. So Ellen is... Just came back from picking up some more Coloss from the village outside of Fadrix, and he's recalling his encounter with the Mist Spirit, who 
we with future VINs notes understand is the body of preservation and trying to figure out what the, the misspirit mean when he pointed it at Violet Metals. And Ellen is assured that Vin is still alive because he sees that the Colossus Vin is controlling are not rampaging. And Ellen decides to ignore the signals that uh, preservation perhaps was telling him. You know, preservation was apparently pointing him away from Fadrix, but Ellen plans to strike Fadrix City anyway. So he's going to go in with the Coloss first in a sneak attack, a sneak Coloss attack, however that works, and not even have his, uh, not, not decamp until the Coloss have hit the city so that the spies will think that he is not striking. He's going to send the Coloss in first. And that's the end of chapter 61. Engage. Make it so. Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> Chapter 62? Sure. Spook is cooked. Feldra waits by Spook's bedra. Top 10 with Sazed Letterman. All right. So, those are your best bullet points in a while. They're right up there with. <laughs> Ellen can't put two and 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 two together. That was good too. Yeah, yeah that that one is all time great. But the this chapter's bullet points were fantastic. All right, so Spook is recovering and Beldra is waiting by his bedside, even showing more concern for him than for her brother Quellian. But also Quellian is back to his senses since Spook did despike him. He's willing to uh, to negotiate with Sazed and friends. You know, he doesn't. Uh, nobody understands why the change in him occurred, and Spook probably isn't even conscious to explain it. So, hopefully, he wakes up and lets people know what's what. Okay, the rest of chapter sixty-two. Oh yeah, and top ten is Sazed Letterman. Uh, Sazed is down to his last ten religion. Top ten remaining. Okay. Dot done. But Sazed still cares. Bye, doggy. Announcer. Rayshek's friends are not the nobles' ancestors. The old terrace religion yet lives. Sazed and Tensoon palling around good times. <laughs> Sazed finishes studying his religion, doesn't find consistency in any of them, and he's all about to burn up his work with Findwill and all of his copper mines and notes and everything. And he's, he, but he still cares, you know, he can't let go or he can't, or rather I should say he can't throw it away. And he overhears Tensoon leaving. And as Tensoon leaves, he says, say goodbye to the announcer for me. And Sazed recalls or brings up in his notes when Elendi, I'm sorry, not Elendi, Quan is referred to as the Holy First Witness, but that is not what was written on the plaque. The plaque used the proper term announcer as Holy First Witness was a Church of the Survivor term that Ruin had snuck into the manuscript so that well, the manuscripts were the rubbing, you know, so that Sazed would see kind of a false connection between the two religions. And they have a little 
chitty chatty with Tensoon and Seized. Breeze is there, but doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, Tensoon reveals as Seized is realizing that Rayshek's pack mule buddies were not turned into the nobles' ancestors, as was supposed. They were rather all changed into mist wraiths and then spiked to become Chandra. And this was a deal that they had made with Rayshek while Rayshek was in the well. So in the well, he had the power to turn all of those terrorist Pac-Men into mist wraiths. And apparently it says... Wait, it's weird. It says that all of the, all of not all of the terrorists, but all of the Farukamis were turned into mist wraiths. But maybe just the Farukamis that were with him. So I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, so anyway, there's a reveal there that they weren't that they were. That's where the mist wraiths came from. And Seized realizes uh, the implication here that the people who studied the old terrorist religions from a millennium ago are still alive and they are as Tensoon referred to them the first generation of Chandra so Tensoon needs to go and find Vin and he's like come with me says it I'll drop you off at the Chandra homelands it's on the way and then they're <laughs> off and that's the end of chapter 62 so says called an Uber and hey look it's his buddy Tensoon you can't ride him. He's not that big. A, a halfling could ride him, but not a medium-sized character. Dang it. <laughs> we're, a okay. good, we're a good ways in. What about a dwarf, which counts as a medium-sized character and has since, I believe, 3rd edition, uh, but has the rough stature of most small characters? So, in 3rd edition, a dwarf is a medium-sized creature and thus cannot use a medium-sized creature as a mount. I would say Tensoon is probably medium-sized, is like a large riding dog. But, uh, you know, dwarfs are medium. That is their, that is the size, that is their size classification. So they can only ride creatures that are large and greater. So, my favorite D&D character I ever had I had a druid with a wolf animal companion and my DM, whose name was also Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi. Um, <laughs> he, Does he uh, listen? A more different Dave. Right. I don't know if he listens. Maybe he does. Hi, well, Dave, just in case. I yeah, I think it was his first time DMing a game where someone had an animal companion, and it was one of my first games that I ever played, so I didn't know the rules very well. And uh, and and so at some point when it was time to level up, and like the wolf gets to level up too, Dave tells me, and also he goes up a size category, and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> he's now a large wolf, and. Anyway, so he later realized his mistake and was like, I'm going to let you keep that because it's awesome. And it was awesome. <laughs> so my druid was like riding around on a giant wolf, mounted combat with a bow, and it was amazing. Nice. I yeah. mean, it's the size of an elephant. It's a well, wolf well, the size of an elephant. No, it's the size of a horse. And large, then I figured out. 
And then I figured out that if I cast a spell on myself, then it also applied to my animal companion if I was touching him. So if I was riding the wolf and I would use spider climb on myself, <laughs> so then the wolf could run up the wall and so I'd be shooting down at the monsters from the ceiling. Just like Ender's pretty, Yes, it was some pretty epic, like... I, l- I like that you took some of the rules and just found the way I did. to maximize the heck out of them. This is great. So, heads up to uh, dungeon masters out there who may be listening. Sometimes you should ignore the rules so that your players can do stuff that's awesome. The rule of fun. Absolutely. I kind of think that you are supposed to make the animal go up a size, or maybe it's supposed to go for up from small to medium, but you're a half. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I wasn't there. And I don't remember the rules all that much. All right, yeah, Dave. I, I think small to medium is a thing, but I don't think medium to large is. Do, do we have another chapter, Dave? One more chapter. Chapter 63. Yeoman is like, what's this spike? Gank! Ruin gloats some more. Vin wants to talk deal with Yeoman. Join us at r slash Yeoman, where Vin will hold a very special AMA. Colas. <laughs> Colas. Duralamin. Maps. Ruin has been looking for the ATM all this time. And it's not in Fadrex. Lord Roller is dead and stupid. 40,000 Colas are here. But will Elend attack? I kind of missed putting in the point where Marsh shows up, but whatever. We'll get to it. Okay, so in the epigraph of chapter 63, uh, we have confirmation from future Vin that Ellen did not get spiked, although Ruin attempted to do so. And also that uh, Yeoman was spiked, but he's kind of boring and Ruin can't do much with him. And Yeoman realizes that he has been spiked and removes spike. So didn't didn't get it in, in the middle of his heart like he did for Penrod. What's going up with that dude, by the way? He got spiked so long ago, and we haven't heard from him since. Yeah. Okay. I know you had a a theory for a while that Yeoman was spiked, and here we actually get confirmation. That he was. Uh, Well, he was briefly. Ineffectively. Yeah. Ineffectively, yeah. So, it uh, is revealed in this chapter that perhaps Yeoman is actually a misting that can burn Atium. Which I believe I got a Rayfo on from... Did I get a Rayfo? You probably oh, you did. did. Okay. I believe I got a Rayfo when I, I specifically asked this question. Can Is is there a misting ability? Is there a misting that can burn only a secondary metal? And I thought of how awful it would be if your only superpower was that you could burn aluminum. Yep. What if you Sounds could only like burn Duralumin? Like, if you could only I mean, burn Duralumin, like, oh, oh. My Duralumin is stronger now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what would happen. Yikes. All right. Vin wants to talk deal with Yeoman. The guards are kind of wary of her, which is, you know, probably smart of them. And Ruin is the room. And let me just say, I love these scenes. Uh, you know, even earlier in the trial scene, this happens as well. I didn't bring it up. But with with Vin talking to Yeoman, and Ruin just chilling in the corner, listening and like teasing her as they're talking. I absolutely love it. Ruin's a see. Here's the Ruin is a villain that I love. Like I didn't feel this way towards Zane. 
Right. But anyway, because Ruin is actually kind of interesting. Like, Ruin is interesting. And he's kind of in the right. Like, <laughs> yeah, he wants to destroy the world, but he he was promised the right to destroy the world and preservation betrayed his trust and locked him up. Like, apparently Dave is lawful neutral. I'm not lawful neutral. I'm neutral good. Neutral good people don't cheer for the guy destroying the world, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not cheering for him. I want Vin to win. I'm just saying I understand his perspective. and He's doing it because they had an agreement. I do have a leaning toward lawful. I will say that. But I consider myself neutral good. Alright, so they have an AMA where... Vin explains how to control the Kolos. She explains Duralamin to Yeoman. Of course, Yeoman has no way to verify any of the information that Vin is giving him. But she does mention the storage caches and says that there must be some connections. So he has a servant bring some maps in. And they look at the maps. And they're like, uh, there's no connection here. So then they bring in a more different map and they realize that there's a connection that they're all close to metal deposits, the source of alimantic power. And, you know, it seems like they should have been able to, it didn't seem like a big reveal here, but whatever. (laughs) And during this time, Vin realizes that it's the ATM that Ruin was after all along. She doesn't, really care about ATM. It was the influence of Ruin because I'm guessing that the ATM is somehow connected to Ruin's body, which is what he's looking for to finally complete his takeover and destroyal of the world. And that's why Ruin thought that he was has already won. And he's just like I don't know. But anyways, uh Marsh busts in and he's like where is the ATM, old man? And, of course, Yeoman is still acting the part of an obligator in the time of the Lord Ruler. And remember, the last decree of the Lord Ruler before he died was to give control of the ministry over to the Steel Inquisitors. So Yeoman is subservient to Marsh here. And he's just like, all I got was seven beads of ATM. That's all that was in there. And Ruin yells out, No! And then Vin looks over at him, and he's like, "Why do you yell? I'm not not mad." And then, uh, so Yeoman is still insisting that this is somehow part of the Lord Ruler's plan. And Marsh is like, "The Lord Ruler is dead, and he wasn't a very good servant either." And this, you know, this high ministry official Marsh is saying this to Yeoman, and this kind of shatters his world and Vin is like hey you're an alamancer we can work together join me in Ellen and we'll stop the destruction of the world and Ruin is like oh and Marsh can see Ruin also so Marsh and Vin can see Ruin but Yeoman apparently can't and Ruin's like oh that's so cute that you you still are an idealist after all this and Vin's like what he might join me and then Rowan or Marsh is like, no, we mean Ellen. He's out there with 40,000 Kolos and he's about to attack. But Vin believes that Ellen will not attack. 
And that is the end of this week's chapters. Vin believes in Ellen. Yes. All right. Even though we got from Ellen's perspective that he was about to attack, although maybe he'll have a change of heart when he sees, you know, he's sending the Coloss over and Yeoman, Marsh warns Yeoman now with, I assume, extra information that Marsh has because of being joined in with Ruin. And so maybe Ellen will change his mind when he realizes defenses have been raised. So I don't know. What do you think Ellen is going to do? Attack or not attack? I think that he will and then immediately realize it was a mistake. He's going to send the Coloss in. Or no, you know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Ellen is going to hesitate and then Ruin is going to take control of the Coloss and have the Coloss attack. That's what I think. All right. Uh, I asked you this before. I want to get your read on it as we progress. How hopeful do you feel? Hmm. I feel pretty good. Here's the main problem. The main problem is that pretty much every major character, well, not every major character, the the people that we're counting on, like the, the Coloss and the Chondra, are all hemallergically charged and everyone has control of them. That's a big problem. However, I think that there is still something in, of the power of preservation in the Allomancy that they can still overcome ruin. And so they don't, you know, they don't have preservation himself, but they still have his power spread throughout in the Allomancy. And here's the other thing. They should be able to take control of the Inquisitors. You know, I, I think that anything anything that has a hemallergic spike in it should be able to be controlled the same way you would control a Chondra or a Coloss. So, at the very least, they should be able to take control of Marsh. Also, there's Marsh. We know that Marsh is planning to turn on Ruin at a critical moment, and that's about to happen. I almost felt like it was going to happen in Chapter 63, but there wasn't enough going on for that to matter. But, yeah, I believe that they're going to figure out... They have a a lot that, that can go right for them, but they need to figure it out. They need to find the 16th Alimantic Medal. They... They understand what Ruin is after now. That's a huge advantage. We have Marsh getting ready to turn on Ruin at the critical moment. And we have the possibility that maybe they'll figure out they can take control of Inquisitor. So there's a lot of potential for stuff to go right. Everything's going wrong right now, but I think that there are enough avenues for them to turn it around. Also, Vin has to write the epigraphs. So, like, what? Unless she writes them from the cognitive realm. Uh Uh-oh. Thing. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else for Dave before we go to Spoiler Town? Nah, I think we can kick him off. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And he's gone. We're safe. Safe. Time for all the spoilers. So I wonder if ATM is connected in some way to Ruin's body. You know what I was thinking about? 
how the ATM good might be connected that, in some way to Ruin's body. That Kelsier destroyed the pits of Hatson, and also there's a, if, if Kelsier didn't blow them up, I think Ruin would have had an easier time getting his body. You think maybe he could have uh, like sped up the ATM generation process? Maybe, or at least there would have been a bunch there that he could have used, and he wouldn't need to go find the cash, which, of course, we know that the Conjure have. The trust. And that's been mentioned, correct? I'm pretty sure it's mentioned early on in the book about the trust. Uh, we don't know that it is ATM, but we do no, I know, know that from way back in book one that Condra take ATM as a payment method. True. So, what about that spear that went through the Lord Ruler? Uh, it's... I have no idea. It's just a spear. <laughs> it's nothing. I thought you had an idea. I mean, if it really did go through his heart, then technically it's a hemallergically charged spear. Right, but what I was making reference to was that the, uh, the Bands of Mourning, which I... You've read the book before, right? Yes. Okay. That it's the spearhead on the statue, which, uh, is, okay. which is symbolically the same spear, but it's not literally the same spear. Right, right. Okay. Well, I'm going to pay special attention to that once I get up to that part in the book. I'm keeping an eye out for some things as I'm doing my reread. I do read things. I just don't read them at the pace of the, of the podcast. And uh, to Dave's point that Ruin missed an opportunity to screw with our heroes by messing with the uh, engineering knowledge in Sazed's copper mines, he didn't care. He already won. Yes. yes. I, I want to point that out, but I don't want to point it out to Dave yet. Maybe when we do our overview. But Dave said he doesn't really care about what's going on with Spook and company. Because it's the end of the world, and it seems like the stakes are so small. His actual thought is the same thing Ruin is thinking. He doesn't actually care. Sure, he's messing with Spook, because Spook was spiked. But he doesn't really care who wins. It doesn't matter to him. It plays no part in him destroying the world. He's just having a little bit of fun. So why would he mess with Seizet? It just it doesn't matter. Who? Why spend the energy? But I don't want to tell that to Dave yet. Uh, Jake the Hawk mentions that there has to be intent for the spear to be hemallergic. Does is that true? Uh, I believe you just need to stab the right kind of person through the heart with the right kind of metal. Accidental hemallergy, and and yeah, like that that can happen accidentally. But you then have to take that same metal and. In order for it to work as a hemallergic spike, it has to go into, like, a very specific spot on a body. Right. And that part is almost impossible to do accidentally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dave is also pointing out that they should be able to take over Inquisitors using emotional allomancy. And I think we're going to find out soon. I'm, I'm excited for the next batch of chapters that Dave's going to read for next week. because. Ruin takes control of the Coloss. And next week, he's going to read that happen. And that, I think, is the reason Vin can't just take over Ellen. Or Ellen, because he's stronger uh, in the Alamancy. You can't just take over an Inquisitor because Ruin has such a strong hold on them. 
Well, I thought I think that just didn't work on on Inquisitors. I think it does work. Vin, in fact, I think tries to do that to Marsh when he finally gets enough willpower to rip out her earring. Uh, it's the combination of him going berserk, Vin doing some emotional allomancy, and Marsh having uh, succeeding his will save that they're able to do that. It's just that they can't take control. Just like Ruin is letting them take control of the Colossus. It's all part of his ploy. If he didn't want it to happen, they wouldn't be able to do it, I think. At least not not for as long a period of time as they they have done so now. <laughs> it suits Ruin's plans for them to amass this giant army for him. Yep. Yep. Like, do all the work of gathering them up. Which is why he delivered Inquisitor-based Coloss armies, yes. Yeah, that is true. So all to try to find this ATM. Wonder where it is. And uh, do you guys remember if the chapters actually mentioned that the storage caches were all in like metallically dense areas to blind them to ruin? Or if that was just something they figure out later? Uh, I think so it was mentioned that... Like, Vin was thinking about it, but I don't recall if she actually formed that into words. Yeah, I feel like it's something the characters sort of figure out, but I'm not sure if it's explicitly stated. We're good at this. We are. We're so good at this. Alright, um, I had a super long day today, and Tori has plans, and Craig needs to play video games. So I think we're going to call it here, unless either of you have anything last minute. Uh, I just want to say, looking forward to next week. Lots of stuff happening. Oh, and we are going to get Spook's uh, Kelsey are talking to Spook. Legit. All right. Bye, Internet. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.